So I get to prove time and time again what a bozo I am. <laughs> you, you should be laughing. You should be laughing. <laughs> I'm a model bozo. No, no. I'm a model bozo. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. <laughs> Third time's the charm. Uh, I am still Paul Randack, and I am your host. Uh, this week I am excited and glad to have McKaylee Mathis here. And um, as I had uh, mentioned uh, in, the, in the previous podcast, um, we've been looking forward to having uh, McKaylee on, who I call Mech, so I should probably say, that I guess I'm not the only one. No. I guess there are quite a lot of people that call you Mech. Yep. Um, so that may come out during the podcast. Um, so uh, I, I did also want to mention next week um, will be kind of a holiday podcast. I'm not exactly sure how that'll look going to have some family and friends on is the plan right now and we'll see what unfolds but this week um McKaylee has been so kind to come on and talk to us a little about her story and her life and um most importantly Meg what makes you or what qualifies you as just another bozo on the bus so um as I was thinking, you know, we, we talk about where you want to start, these kind of things. And I was thinking, I was trying to remember, you know, if, if you guys grew up here in, in Salt Lake or not. But because it was probably you and your mom in the yes. beginning, I'm going to guess. So. Yes. Yep. I grew up in Salt Lake, um, pretty much Sandy Draper area. Uh, my mom had me when she was young. So what's young? Do you 17? Yeah, she had me when she was 17. So we lived with my grandparents for a while, teenage mom, <laughs> and it was great. I loved growing up with my grandparents and my mom. So, grew up, grew up in uh, South Salt Lake, which is the San- Sandy Draper area. Just grew up with your mom. Um, she was young. Um, what do you, what do you, what kind of stands out to you about those those early years and, and, and growing up? Because you were you were as you were saying you were with your grandparents as yep. well. Any anything stand out? Um, I was able to grow up with my aunt. We're about ten years apart, so I wasn't necessarily an only child. Um, how, how far apart? Ten. Oh, okay. ten years. Okay. So she's more like an older sister to me, um, and I just remember going to work with my mom. My mom worked for my grandparents' company. It's a multi-million dollar company, and I just remember going to work with them every day and coming home and just being able to be with be with them. I've got some good early memories of my grandparents. You got to you got to go to work with your mom, so Obviously, this is preschool. I mean, yeah. before you started school, and yes, like that. yes. But you, you, you have memories of going to work with mom at that age. Yes. Yeah, and they're fond memories. Fun memories. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and mom, mom's young, so she's seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Oh, so I'm right. You know, early twenties, that kind of thing. Yes. And uh, and and how th- how were things going at at home at that point? You were living with your grandparents, and all was kind of seemed normal. And yes. Single yep. mom? Yep, very very normal. Did you ever I ask did. where's, you know, dad? I don't think so. I mean, I did. I had a stepdad for a while. They were married for a couple of years. And then my mom met my dad, who is now my dad, probably when I was about five, four or five. So I have 
very early memories, I don't think of him as not my dad. I mm-hmm. think of him as my dad. I would never say he wasn't. So I don't really remember ever questioning hmm. that. Okay. You're talking about who you call dad today? Yes. Yeah. So, all right. And so, what 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 is it? What is it that you that you, that you remember most about childhood and growing? Did you guys? How long did you live with your grandparents? I mean, probably just a few years. We ended up buying the house that they were living in when I was fairly young as well. So I just have memories of that house up until I was probably about ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, about sixth grade, we moved into our house. Um, it was my parents' dream house up in Draper. They were making, you know, decent money working for my grandparents. My mom was the president of the company, so she was doing well. And it was about that time when things, I didn't know it, but that was a little bit of the beginning of the end. <laughs> the, the beginning of the end, or yeah, I know, or the, the beginning of something. Right? Yes, the beginning or, of something. Maybe the chaos. Is, yes. Maybe is a, is a way to look at that, because prior to that, that you didn't really notice no. that there that there were maybe some fissures or problems within no. in the family system. I mean, I remember going, you know, to parties maybe mm-hmm. with my parents or having parties at their house and mm-hmm. whatnot, but it was never something that was out of control or that yes. I thought was different. And there were no, you had no siblings at this time. Right. My mom didn't have my young, my middle sister until she was, I was about seven or eight. Okay. So a couple of years after her and your dad got together. Yes. Okay. So, and then you have a younger and the youngest sister, who is about nine years younger. Okay. okay. And so, three, th- th- three daughters. Right. <laughs> An eventful household. An eventful household. And what? What? When did? It had. How? How'd you do in school and friends and those kinds of things? I did well in school. I went to private school for most of my life. I did go to Indian Hills and Alta for a little bit, but I did go to Juan Diego, and I. I thrived there, thankfully. I work best under structure. <laughs> if I would have stayed at the public school, I'm not sure how well it would have went. Because huh. I did not go to class. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's an issue that a lot of people definitely have. I so guess. structure helped. Structure helped. Okay. And then, and then when, when, um, when, when things sort of began to change at home, when you started noticing... It wasn't just a party here and there. What, what what kind of things began to happen, and what did you what did you notice? Um, probably about the time I was maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Um, parties were happening every weekend, mm-hmm. and then not just every weekend, but they would lead into the weekdays as well. So, um, I sort of became the parent. Um, luckily, we had an awesome nanny at the time she was a big chunk of my childhood too and I think once we no longer had her is when things really started to take notice of how bad things were just in in terms of like going to the grocery store or rides to school picking up from school um there was 
a few the, the basic yes the basic operations of a household were beginning to yes slip through the cracks yes. so to speak yeah we were very very blessed to be able to have her for as long as we did and maybe to a fault mm-hmm. i don't know well but the then the but she was the nanny and when she, and when she was gone then i'm guessing that you know you took on this role a little bit yes yep so i did you were you aware you were actually this is a really good question were you aware that you were doing that or at the time no i i mean maybe a little bit but i don't think i really realized it for a long time because it was just so normal to Mm -hmm. me it was normal for me to you know maybe get my little sisters ready for school to get myself ready for school um if i would take them to school and i was 13, 14 as well, because if I didn't take them, they were probably not going to go, and I had to take myself. Um, I remember one (laughs) instance when I drove, it was probably my sophomore year, so I was like 14, maybe 15, and I had to go pick up my sisters from school. Well, we had this giant Hummer with like 25-inch wheels, and I was leaving school to go pick my sisters up, and I ran over another car in my school parking lot. You ran, <laughs> so <laughs> you ran over a car. I ran over a car, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I didn't know what to do, and I freaked out, so I drove off. Mm-hmm. But there was a bunch of students in the parking lot, so they knew exactly <laughs> who, who it was. Well, it's, if you had a large Hummer, yes, all yes. of a sudden, you know. That kind of stands out as right. a unique car. Yeah. So. so I drove still to go get my sisters because I had to pick them up from school. Mm-hmm. And um, about five minutes after I had picked them up, the police called me and I had to pull over so they could come over and and stop me. And I remember I had to call my grandma because my mom was getting drunk by our pool with one of our neighbor's friends. And so she couldn't come and relieve me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun for my grandma, I'm sure, as well. So, this was when you were 14. Right. And you said you started taking your siblings to school. So, when you said, I had to take them to school in the morning, you meant you drove them in the car. Right. I see. Right. Okay. (laughs) I drove them. (laughs) You drove them in the car. Yes. (laughs) And how did you feel about that? I'm just curious. I probably thought it was really cool at the time because I was driving and I wasn't 16. I did not have my license. Um, So really, I probably thought it was cool. I didn't think much of it. I'm sure in the back of my mind, I was like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. But Mm -hmm. the coolness overtook that. Right. That urge. Driving this this Hummer down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me. Yep. uh, Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so besides like taking the kids to school and, and getting them ready and things like that, what else did you notice? What other kind of responsibilities did you notice? Probably, I mean, just your everyday things, you know, laundry, cleaning, picking up after, after people. Um, there was pretty much always a party or some type of gathering going on at my house and it was me included too. I had... A number of parties at my house that probably should not have happened <laughs> um so just lots of things you, mean you were I, having parties at the house too right you were just right. following in the footsteps yes i had a number of parties filled with alcohol and whatnot at my house 
Um, about what age was this? I would say probably eighth and ninth grade. Hmm. For sure, ninth grade, a little bit, eighth grade. Okay. Um, Actually, go back for just a moment and tell me. I, I feel like I just dropped the thing with the you getting pulled over by the cops. <laughs> what happened after you got pulled over? I mean, and, and so, driven over the car. Yeah, so my sisters were really scared. I was really scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if my license was going to get suspended. My grandma got there, and we had a blower in our car for mm-hmm. a DUI blower. My grandma couldn't blow in the thing to get the car to start, to move it. So I had to blow in it for her. I just remember for some reason that standing out to me. But um, I just, I was able to leave with my grandma and grandpa since I was still fairly underage. And then I had to go to court for it a few months later, pay a fine. And that was really that for Mm. that. I was really lucky. No one ever asked you why you were driving your siblings to school? No. I mean, obviously my grandma knew and maybe... I can't remember if it was brought up to the cops, I'm sure, but my grandma and grandpa are my legal guardians Mm -hmm. since my mom had me at 17, so I'm not sure if it was a big deal or not. Okay. I see. Oh, so grandparents (laughs) were legal guardians. Yes. Mom, so they didn't contact your mom because she didn't have guardianship of you, so they got, is that what you're saying? Yes and no. I think I just called my grandma because my mom was like, I can't come down there, you know, and... Uh, it wasn't. It didn't end up being a big deal for that to happen because of that reason. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. I just wanted to understand what happened after that story. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that that would be traumatic. And and your, your sisters did they understand what was going on? I uh, do you think? I don't know. I mean, they were probably six and well, maybe like eight and six or okay. a little bit younger. So not really. Yeah, they didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so you had mentioned that you started having, you were having parties yourself and having people over. And did your, did, did your parents know about that? Yes. So my house was the cool house. My parents were the cool parents. Um, everybody loved coming to my house because there really just wasn't many rules. Uh, so A permissive environment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So... It kind of started out like that. I thought it was cool, too, um, when it first began. And Mm. then as time went on, I began to dread it and hate it. And when my parents or when my friends would tell me that my parents were the cool parents, I would be like, do you have any idea what you're talking about? Like, do you realize what I go through at home or not even what I go through at home, but just like that it's not cool because they thought it was so cool. Well, it, it, no, they're just visiting, right? They're not living right. in it 24 hours a day. Yes. Because they have something that you, you know, you mentioned earlier that you realize you flourish under, which is structure. Yes. And when your parents are really permissive, or a parent, or yeah. parents are permissive, structure has a tendency to be on the decline. Yes. Okay. So that feeling, you know, if you only really understood what it was like to live in this. Right. You know, did you have anyone to talk to about this at that time? Was there um, anyone I, you could explain what was going on and what you were feeling? Yes. I had an awesome friend named Braxton Schofield. We were best friends since like fifth grade. And he pretty much always knew what was going on or what was going on in my life. And I had a couple other friends who knew as well. Um, 
I don't think people really knew the extent of how bad it was, but mm. I had a really good friend, Liz, as well, and her, luckily, I remember one night stands out to me. Um, I can't remember. She had dropped me off at home, and I had noticed that my dad's motorcycle was missing, and I had called my mom. She wasn't answering, and then luckily, my friend Liz and her mom, we were able to find my mom, we went to my grandparents' house, and then we had received a call a couple hours later saying that my dad had crashed his motorcycle. And so we went over there to see what he was doing because my mom was pretty intoxicated herself, and I saw my dad get taken away in handcuffs. And so that was pretty traumatic for me, and that's one that stands out. So it was kind of a few pivotal moments mm-hmm. that kind of began everything or kept everything going. <laughs> hmm. So, and you, and you, well, and the question I was asking, you had support. So you did have people that yes. knew that what was going on yes. in your life. But th- was this a moment where things be- began to kind of come out with the, the seriousness of the problems in, yeah. in the household? Yes, there's okay. definitely a few. But, but, do, but your friends that were close and, and, um, and you felt you had, you know, confidants yeah, yes. that you could tell them things. Right. Um, how, how did they support you in this, if they could? Because they, you know, I mean, did they, did they just by listening and talking and, and allowing you to, you know, express what was going on? Or did they yeah. come and help you out at home? Or, you know? <laughs> yes, I would say for sure. I mean, I had a few... There's just pivotal times in my life. So when I was at Alta, I had kind of a group of friends who really helped me out. And I went and stayed with one of them for, you know, a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. when it started to get bad, just for like school, some stability, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And then when I went back to Juan Diego, I had, again, my kind of close group of friends who I knew were there for me. They knew what was going Mm -hmm. on. They knew my home life. And so, again, luckily, their parents were awesome, and a few of them, I actually went and stayed at their house for, you know, a couple weeks at a time mm-hmm. as well, just to to get that stability again. Mm. Because I knew I could always go and live with my grandparents, but I didn't necessarily want to because I felt that that was too much structure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wanted the freedom. You wanted to moderate the <laughs> amount of structure you had. Yes, yeah. yes. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. you're still... You're still a teenager. You're, yes. you're an adolescent. You're you, you want some room, but you you also knew that you needed to have structure yes. at the same time, just not too much. Yes. Right? Okay. Okay. So when did when did sort of this turning point happen that um, you knew that that uh, you you basically had to fend for yourself at, at some point? Probably, I started to realize that it really was becoming a problem when, like I said, it was happening a lot during the weekdays. I would go to bed. I would lock my door, turn my music up really loud just so that I could kind of drown, drown out the noise Mm -hmm. or whatnot. And I would wake up to go to school and they would still be up partying and doing the same stuff that they were doing. And I knew that something was not right, right around then. And, um, I remember one time I was doing laundry And I was putting my dad's, like, socks and whatnot away, and I had found a spoon Mm -hmm. in his drawer. And it was burnt, and it had white residue on it, and so that really freaked me out. And I think it was probably right around then that I I really knew that something was not right. What did you think it was at the time? 
Honestly, I don't remember what I thought it was. I mean, I'm sure I kind of knew, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. I probably thought of the worst, like heroin or Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, So I remember I had confronted my mom and she acted like she was very shocked and she was, but um, it kind of swept. She didn't know that he was maybe using ID or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, And it ended up being for crack, Mm -hmm. but yeah, she had, she had had no idea and, but it was, again, it was just kind of swept under the rug, like, oh, it won't happen again kind of thing. So... I'm just going to ask this question. I know this is to add, I know it's a loaded question too. But thinking over the years, how many times do you think you heard those words? It'll never happen again. Oh man! Just guess to me. Close to a hundred, honestly, maybe a little bit less. But between both of my parents, probably around. A very high number. Okay. Okay. And this was the first time you yes. heard it? Yes. Okay. okay. And then what, what trend, what, what kind of happened from then? That Was there any, was there, did anything change or did it just go right back or what? I don't think anything changed. I still would find, you know, when I was doing laundry, I would still find tin foil in the washer and dryer. I would still find little white wrappers. Mm-hmm. I would still find... Uh, a spoon. He just would find different hiding places for it. And so I think it was probably right then that I started to become a little detective <laughs> because I would always I'll be on the lookout for stuff sure. and always on guard and always wondering what they were doing. That was always in the back of your mind at this point. Right. And and how were your, your younger siblings? They had you- no idea. I mean... I like to say that they hid it, but it's <laughs> doesn't sound like it because there's just little pieces that stick sure. out. But, I mean, my childhood actually was a really good one. I was able to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. I was able to, you know, we went to Disneyland and Disney World all mm-hmm. the time. Um, my parents liked to give <laughs> things to a fault, probably, because mm-hmm. that was their way of kind of making up for what they were doing in the background. So they were constantly buying us things. Literally, the Disneyland parents is what yes. you're trying to Yeah, say. constantly <laughs> buying us gifts, toys, pretty much anything and everything we wanted mm-hmm. um, just to make up for the time that they were, or the things that they were doing, when in reality, all we wanted was their time. Yeah, and attention. Yes. So... I wish, I guess, how was your, your mom doesn't really sound like she was working a lot. So, uh, so it was a decline for sure. Um, I don't remember how old I was. And they're both working for your, your grandparents' company, right? right? Mom's, mom's the president and and dad was. He was a super high, like very top of the line salesman. He Mm -hmm. had been to like every state putting on pool, automatic safety pool covers Mm -hmm. for people. You know, they were making good money. Um, but my dad started to fall asleep on the job, started to decline, started Mm -hmm. not calling customers back. Um, and so I think he was probably let go before she was. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was probably not very long after that my mom was told that she could no longer perform her duties as well. So, and this was your grandparents let 
both of your parents go yes. from the business. Right. And what happened from then? Did, did, did things change or did they get worse or better or what? Uh, no. Yes and no. Okay. It kind of always ebbed and flowed. So there would be good times and then bad. One would be, you know, sober and the other one wouldn't. Or one would be vindictive and get back at the other to not be sober kind of thing. Um, but they, they started... did the best to bring each other up <laughs> yes. or down, I guess yes. is what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. So, By the way, were you all your, were you still carrying the certain parental yes. you know, responsibilities? Yes. And, and, you know, as far as clothes and meal planning, you said, you know, I'm doing my dad's laundry or whatever it is. And I'm, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're still in, in many ways running the, the household. Yes. Okay. Making uh, sure people are where they're supposed to be. Yes. Yep. And that was always frustrating too i mean i would go and wake my parents up you know to take us to school or different things instead of them waking us up for school Mm -hmm. to take us or whatever so i just remember those little things but they had started their own company too after this all happened um so my dad started another automatic safety pool cover business but he was just doing the covers in all of utah so that was very successful. They've had that for about 15 years, probably 15, mm-hmm. 16 years. So that was successful. My mom, you know, would answer the phones for the most part and schedule and my dad would go out and and do the work. But then it started to fall a little bit more on my dad and my mom wasn't doing as much because she would sleep a lot. She liked to self-medicate. Um... But kind of in between this, so my mom, um, I remember it was my sophomore year, my grandparents had an intervention for my mom, so they flew someone out, had an intervention, I was actually out drinking with my own friends (laughs) when I got the call that I needed to go home to do an intervention, intervention. yes, so I think (laughs) it was right about then that I realized, like, what the fuck what a a great story, I've never heard this one, so I'm so, (laughs) come home for an intervention, yeah, yep, (laughs) well, I've I've been drinking, (laughs) yeah, it was news to me, I didn't know that that's what they were doing, Mm And I felt like the biggest hypocrite of my life (laughs) going to talk to her about going to rehab when I was drinking a lot myself and I was, you know, probably pretty intoxicated that day. When you say a lot, how much were you drinking, Meg? Um, uh, Every day of the weekend, probably. Maybe even... I know I drank a couple times when I would go to school. But... I never thought it was an issue because all my other friends were doing it too. So, um, yeah. So she went to rehab down in Arizona, Scottsdale. She was there for a couple of months. We flew down once to go see her. It seemed awesome. She was doing really well, but she came home and I remember she had, it was the night of my sophomore prom that I came home and I found that her and my dad were drinking again. And so... That was another rough time for me, I think, just knowing that here we go again kind of mentality. She came home from rehab, and you came home from school, and they were sitting around drinking. Yes. They were were very enabling. They were, and maybe are, and very enabling to each other's demons, so to speak. Very, very much so. Okay. 
okay. And so that was that was mom's first first experience of of treatment. Didn't go real well. Right. Okay. And, and I mean, at that time, my mom was just drinking. I mean, not just drinking, but it's led to more as of now, today. So it was just drinking and, you know, the self-medication part, which I think in part had a lot to do with where they were or could have been mm-hmm. and to where they were at then in time. Okay. Like, it just never really went back to their confidence levels and and everything. Which is where things sort of started out, and in, in, in many ways. And, and I mean, I know your mom, and and she was, you know, at the, even as a young woman when she had you, um, had a certain power and uh, and you know high self esteem and an ability to 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 do amazing things. Yes, and. Um, and 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 did a, a good job even from when you know having talked to your your grandparents at, you know at running the company that, yeah. that she did, they did so she had the skill set and had the ability yeah. to do all that yeah my parents are the kindest nicest most giving you know loving people that almost that i know but these drugs these out this alcohol just definitely took took them over 100% <laughs> well, and, and the crack. <laughs> yeah, and the crack. Yes, <laughs> and the and the crack. So, um, you know, you, you you. I'm thinking about your sisters too, growing up in this environment, and most of this had all been normalized to them at this point. Yes. If you grow up in a household, and when you wake up in the morning, there's still people partying. It just seems normal after mm-hmm. a while. You just expect it. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get ready for school, and. There are going to be people sitting around, you know, smoking, drinking, those kinds of yes. things. That becomes normal. Yes. And so that's what they knew. My older sister takes me to school. Mm-hmm. When, when did when did you when did it all kind of begin to to dawn on on all of you that I mean I'm getting by this point by, by the time mom had come back from treatment that time that you knew things needed to change yes. and there needed to be some fundamental. Um, uh, direction or, or you know uh, this st- something needed to change in the sense of fundamentally steering the family in another direction how how were you and your your sisters how 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 were you coping with that at this point do you think my sisters were still fairly young so they i don't like to say they didn't know what was going on because i mean they did but i think we we're all in denial a little bit, even though it was right in front of our face. Well, the normalization of this, yes. right? Because it seemed normal. Right. And so probably right when I right around when I turned 16, I had a boyfriend at the time who really encouraged me that I should move in with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And as much as I didn't want to, because again, I wanted that freedom right. more than I a little bit wanted the structure... I decided, yeah, I'll probably go try it out because at this point I was, I knew the path that I was headed down. I probably wasn't going to graduate. I was doing not the best things. Like I said, I was drinking a lot Mm -hmm. and school wasn't necessarily my top number one priority. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just knew always in the back of my mind that I didn't want to turn out like my parents were. And so I think that was the switch for me that I was willing to do anything it took to get out of that house, which meant moving in with my grandparents. 
which was awesome. The best decision I could have ever made. Luckily (laughs) for me, I'm super blessed to have the grandparents that I do. They've helped, you know, mold me into the woman I am today. And I couldn't be more grateful or say enough things about it. Mm. Yeah, they, they really showed up. And they, I mean, generally were, were stable, right? I mean, right. in their own lives, they, yes. they had been successful in business and, right. and uh, had, had built this, this company uh, and that your parents were, you know, kind of involved with and your mom running for quite a number of years, um, but also knew when to step in and, yep. and be there. Yes. Yeah. For you and, and including your, your sisters at some point too. Yes. So. Yep, they were always there in the background with all this going on, for sure. It was more just, I mean, for me personally, I tried to hide the shit out of what was going on at home, at least to them, because my parents had, like, drilled it into my brain, too. Like, this is our problem, not anyone else's. So, again, it was like, I'm not going to go tell Grandma and Grandpa what's going on, necessarily. They kind of had an idea, but they didn't Mm -hmm. know the extent. Did that change when you moved in with them? Yeah, uh, probably not for like a year or two. It was probably gradual. Still kept the secrets, so to speak. Yeah, okay. yep. I still kept the secrets because I didn't want my parents to get in trouble. I didn't want them to have to face their consequences. <laughs> and I was very, very enabling for them too because I know that I kept them sick for a number of years doing all the things that I was doing for them. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's what you learned to do. Right. Um, partly taking on responsibilities that you had. You you did that, one, because someone else wasn't, but also you, you, you all, I mean, it wouldn't it be natural and normal to feel that you have a responsibility to care for your siblings, right? Yes. I mean, the oldest sister, so to speak, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I have a responsibility. Even though... And this is what's so important, I think, when it comes to families is that, you know, we and, and even even in, in the unhealthy aspect of keeping secrets that, you know, we're, we take care of the family. You know, yes. there's this there's there's certain fundamentals, even though they may be dysfunctional at times, some of those boundaries <laughs> and some of the beliefs about it. But we, we take care of our own. Right. Yes. You know, we provide for our own. Yeah. And like I said, I had this sick, twisted, you know belief in the back of my mind too like my parents would buy me and buy my love they would give me what I wanted they would buy what I wanted they would let me do what I wanted Mm -hmm. so at the same time I was balancing like I know this isn't right but they (laughs) they buy me stuff and they give me what I want let me do what I want but it feels good too just yeah so it was yeah just like a drug it's almost like a drug right I mean that that uh, that the freedom or that comes from um, per- permissiveness at times, um, but then having the ability that because of the financial means they were able to provide you know yes. for you you know gift this gifting yes thing. you and say buying my love and it right? even almost turned into like well I do this for you you do this for me I scratch your back you scratch mine right. so it was yeah. Well, you don't want to cut off. I mean, you don't want to, <laughs> want to come off, come off the sugar daddy yes, mama there, right? Yes. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But part of you also knew it wasn't healthy, right? Otherwise, you would have, you wouldn't have probably moved out, right? So another year goes by, then 
yep, school was good. I just went on to be on the drill team at Juan Diego, and that was super helpful. I had an awesome drill coach um, who helped me so much because I was very unorganized. I was very, like, irresponsible um, and just a number of other things, and that really gave me the structure that I needed to be able to have consequences when I was late or if I didn't Mm -hmm. go to practice or if I wore the wrong shirt or the different things. Mm -hmm. So um, I really attribute a lot of things that I learned the last couple of years of high school to her as well because she really changed my life. Hmm. I just, can tell just by looking at your face yeah, when you talk just, about her. Yeah, just by being there for me. She was going to school to be a therapist, social worker mm-hmm. as well, so she just she got it. Um, it really wasn't a secret as much as it had been before the last couple of mm-hmm. years as well, so... You know, she knew what was going on. A lot of people knew what was going on. And the f- just the fact that I lived with my grandparents, but I was still close with my parents. So it was not really a secret to many people at that time. Yeah, it, it, was, it was coming up. When, when did you... F- when, so what was the, the moment or was there a moment or that you just felt, felt like you couldn't hold this information anymore with your grandparents? Did- yeah, I think just seeing and knowing that my little sisters were still at home, um, and I mean, I blame myself a lot too because I missed like two or three years of my little sister's life. Not that I wasn't seeing them, but just not living there with them right. and not being able to take care of them. I think I held a lot of guilt and shame around that because I kind of had this newfound freedom and structure and... sure accountability and everything else and I knew that my sisters were still stuck where they were mm-hmm. without you know being able to change their situation well and you had been in that you had been um, in that situation where you were you know had been a parent in some ways yes. for a long time which means that you had kind of missed part of certain developmental pieces yes. in, in, in your adolescence because you ended up being responsible for other children. And I'm not, and again, I'm, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that that's like bad, but it, it does change our personal development so that you needed to take a little bit of time for yourself and hearing you use the word shame and that way. And, and, and I understand that. I understand that even though you needed some time to take care of Mick, right? Yeah. It, it's still there was part of you that felt oh yeah but you know my sisters are still back there in that in that chaos yes in that craziness so when when it when you decided that you weren't going to hold the secrets and you began to to share this and how did your grandparents how did they react to all of this because they they kind of knew i'm guessing yeah. this was not right not they like i think they were shocked and not shocked at the same time because they had an idea of what was going on but they just didn't know the extent Mm -hmm. um back when i was in high school it was mainly you know my dad who was doing the cocaine and um later on onto crack and uh, i don't think my grandparents knew that part so when that kind of came out it was a little bit more of an awakening for them they 
were able to see how bad it really had gotten and like the situations that we had been in they they didn't know I had told them you know quite a few stories that really upset them and different things so I think slowly but gradually as I started to feel more comfortable with them Mm -hmm. and knew that they were there for me and and everything that that's when the secrets just kind of poured out did did you kind of was that cathartic was that did that feel like wow I've need I've been holding this a long time yes yes because you don't really think that what you're going through at the time is a lot because or at least I didn't personally mm-hmm. because I it was just very normal it was very just what it was I didn't it, know you had been difference. normalized to it yes yes yeah. so when I was finally able to kind of break down and take that shield off mm-hmm. of protection and whatnot and let my grandparents in and to see what I, what it was I had been going through for all these years it was a huge release for me and I uh I don't know what word I'm thinking of but just knowing that they were there for me and that they could see like all the things that I had been going through and maybe the decisions that I had been making were because of things I had been through was just very powerful Hmm. for sure. Yeah. And, and also then they got to be able to step up in a way and, and do some things differently on their part. Yes. Which was, I'm going to guess because of the family system it took a little time on their on them to figure out when they were enabling and not enabling yes. too, because you know, that this had been going on for a long time. And, you know, part, partly when, when your mom was even still working, you know, for them yes, in, in the business and running the business. And so um, they had to kind of get more involved, I guess, at, at a certain point and, yep. and take some, take some risks with that. So, yes. yeah. Yep, and it was, I think the most powerful thing for me was just knowing, too, that I wasn't alone mm-hmm. in, that, in that feeling, because you feel so alone, so, like, nobody understands, and um, just feelings surrounding those, mm-hmm. that it was probably the greatest thing for me to be able to get that out yeah. to them. Yeah, and the reason why I asked if it's cathartic, it's, it's like that the ability to be able to release something that we've been hanging on to for so long and almost fearful to release it because we think there's betrayal associated with it, even though the best thing we can do for ourselves is to put the burden down. But it feels like that if, well, if I let go of this, then what's going to happen? It's almost like unknown, right? That feeling of the unknown. Right. And my... My mom and my dad, too, but they they had very strong negative feelings around me moving out, too. So I knew that they were upset with me just for that. It was supposed to be only for, you know, a few months, maybe, or a couple of weeks that I was going to live with them. Mm -hmm. And it ended up that I just stayed there until I moved out a few years later. So... I know that they've you held ne- on You never to... really went back home. It's, no. I mean, to what... I, I mean, your home was at your grandparents'. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that had that had shifted. Yeah. That had shifted. Um, and and so, I mean, this this um, uh, this story then that begins to change and evolve, you know, as you begin to move on and take accountability and responsibility 
for your part in this and allows you to move on and do things differently. Yes. What 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 did you notice going forward then regarding your siblings? How, how did you how, how did that relationship if at all change? Um unfortunately it probably didn't change for, you know, like 4 3 or 4 years after I had moved out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were still very close, but I realized that I had missed a lot of key moments, like you said. I mean, not just when they were very young, but also like going into junior high or going into high school and the things that they had been going through with me not being there. I mean, Mm -hmm. I liked to think that I had a clue, but they had to pretty much fend for themselves at some point. And it really broke me down when I realized that a few Mm -hmm. years later too, just because like, why wasn't I there for them when they needed me the most? Right. Well, and, and you felt responsible. Yes. Even though, yeah, you know, it wasn't necessarily your your responsibility or your job because you had, you know, for so long had been avoiding taking care of you, you know, yourself and, and doing what you need to do for so long. You know, for so long. The 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 part about this though, within this is what happens with families, and I know you know a lot of this now, you know, and it's one thing to have hindsight on these kinds of issues. Um, but in the middle of it, we don't always understand because there's this sense of um, of longing or or pain associated with what seems like loss in some ways. Yes. Around around these kinds of uh, family dynamics, especially what it could be substance abuse, it could be other forms of abuse. Different things can happen. But when when you when you began this journey um, to put yourself first. And learn to take care of, of Mick, and 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 make Mick the priority. What what was what what did you notice? What 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 was what was happening for you during that? Was there still this internal conflict of how can I how can I do it all? How can I be you know still uh, the big sister, almost a uh, you know a parent to my my siblings, and and we haven't even talked about being a parent to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there, this that part there's part of this your story that has to do with taking care of them too, right? And and how, how did how did you how have you dealt and coped with that? A lot of therapy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, seriously, though, therapy for sure has helped me a lot. I got super into self help books. Um, so I was constantly reading those, trying to get any little bits and pieces of information that I could. Um, there was one book in particular that stands out to me, and it's Codependent No More by yeah. Melody Beattie. Yeah, right. So that one, of, book, one of the Bibles of yes, uh, dependency. Right. And, yeah. because, Re- relational dependency. Yes, yeah. And I was super codependent on my parents. I enabled them. I let them do, you know, what they wanted. I kept their secrets for them. I would scratch their back because they were giving Mm -hmm. me things. Um, So I just had a very unhealthy mentality around not wanting to get them in trouble, but at the same time knowing what they were doing wasn't right. So it was kind of, like you said, an internal battle trying to figure out, like, what how far I really wanted to go Mm -hmm. and knowing that I wasn't going to survive 
not in terms of that probably didn't come out right but just like for my own sanity for my own survival to thrive in life to do what I wanted to do to be who I wanted to be I had to make that decision Hmm. and it wasn't easy (laughs) and I probably went back and forth for a very long time until you know there's been a few key moments for how I've gotten to where I am now as well which is I my parents went to Wasatch Recovery and that was probably the most amazing thing that could have happened Mm -hmm. to them and to me I loved going to the family nights and learning all of the things of like why they are doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. and just the backside of addiction Um, instead of just pointing the finger like what the freak is wrong with you guys why can't you pull your heads out of your ass why can't you just stop doing what you're doing yeah so that was huge for me um and then the therapy that was included with that also me going back to school for social work with addiction because Mm -hmm. i just find it super fascinating um and like i said just the books the decision to be who i want to be to make the decisions that i want to make and to be able to help people along the way I like to fix things. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fixer, aren't you? Yes, a I'm a fixer. Yeah, okay. Um, well, the, the, this story does... I mean, your story is... is I mean, and I use this word, and I know people have asked me, why do I, why, why do I use it? And, and to me, it's a beautiful story because it's a beautiful story of discovery. And, and that's what I think life is all about in some form or another, that we're here to, to discover who we are right right and 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 when i say here (laughs) yeah i mean people think well does that mean on the earth in this universe what does it mean and i i'm that's not for me to to determine but the idea of discovering and and being able to be a sense of contentment in life because of those discoveries and being able to live with ourselves and love ourselves right um becomes sort of an overall um, underlying truth yeah. I know for me um, and all the other stuff out there that goes on it, it seems especially you know whether it be in the work environment or the you know extended family environment all these kinds of things they all, all seem like chapters and verse that are associated with it but ultimately it still comes down to me right ultimately it's my choice how I deal with and cope with my life it's not about anybody else it's very empowering it's very powerful when you decide to make that decision to live life on your terms to you know just do what is right whether whatever that means for you Mm -hmm. um and i wouldn't change a thing of my childhood of how i've grown up to be because i wouldn't be the person that i am today honestly i'm very thankful for all of the things that I've been through whether they've been bad good or ugly just because it's made me who I am and I wouldn't be the strong resilient person I am today without those experiences perfect that that is that is so beautifully said and ultimately to look back over our life and and to hear you say that, uh, Mick, is is that power of acceptance 
And also, I'm hearing some self-forgiveness in there too. Be, you know, not carrying necessarily the shame that you you felt, you know, about your siblings when maybe you weren't there every every moment you you felt you should be that right. kind of thing. I was doing the best I could with mm-hmm. the what I the tools that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have sort of a different life now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. different. And you don't need to, to go into details, but you did, I mean, you did mention there. So you decided to, to look at social work and, and, and to go back to school and, and not go back, but to go to school to study that and to learn more about addiction. And now you work in the field and um, it's become, I will say, a big part of your life is, yes. is being involved in, in, in the treatment and recovery community. And I, I look at it and this is really about the living and and healing communities as much as the recovery community. I like to help people. I like to, you know, give people or help people find the tools. And I think that's what's different. I'm not as, I'm not going to give you what you need. I'm going to tell you like it is. And I think that's been the biggest piece for me, at least the last couple of years, especially is finding my voice, finding my confidence back Um, I still struggle with that, but for sure finding my voice and just being able to be true to me because Mm -hmm. I wasn't for so long. Mm. How is, how's your relationship, um, with with your parents now? How are you? I mean, it's, it's evolved over the last few years. So, um, you know, especially with all the work that you've been doing. So how is that now? It's healthy. I would say that it's very healthy, um, at least on my part, for sure. Um, And my mom actually got her six months yesterday or two days ago. Congratulations, mom. Yeah, it's very exciting. Very awesome. She's putting in the work and, you know, I can see my mom coming back, which is huge and makes me very happy. Um, My dad had a few months sober, but he did relapse uh, recently, so haven't talked to him in a little bit, but hopefully he's doing okay and we'll get back on track. Okay, okay, and and you're and during all this time, I know that your your grandparents had, had still been this huge support system for you, um, even though you had moved out on your own a while back, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, they, they they've been around. Then they moved out. Then they moved down to St. George, so right. not as close. Nope. Yeah. No, that was hard. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. It's, you go from, you know, seeing people every single day or every other day, at least often, to now I see them maybe once a month, Mm -hmm. depending how often I'm able to make it down there or if they come up here. So that was hard when they first moved just because I felt like I had lost my support system. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also been very good for me in the fact that I've been able to find more independence hmm. yeah 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 you said earlier how what how grateful you are to have had them yes because without them you don't know if all the rest of this would have been possible right so okay you want to move on sure <laughs> okay um, well, actually, I'm gonna, okay, we'll move on. So what, what is your goal right now with school? What is it, what is it that you, you, you know, and I'm telling you, I'm not, you don't have to go long term yet, but, yeah. but what, what are you thinking you want to do now as far as 
your studies go and and are you thinking you want to stay in the addiction field or are you thinking you want to move I haven't fully committed yet that um, therapy or to become a social worker is exactly what I want to do Mm -hmm. just because it is so demanding, so emotionally giving or taking, however you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that that's for sure what I want to do just for because, I don't know, I want to help people maybe in other ways Mm -hmm. I've thought about. Um, I just got my 200-hour yoga certification which wasn't necessarily so that I could go and teach yoga, but for my own personal growth, my spiritual growth, to Mm -hmm. find things that I have been looking for. And I feel like I would maybe want to help people in regards to those things instead of the therapy side. Gotcha. Which gets more into... um, Actually, it's all integrated. I'm not going to be... I don't want to divide this up. Yeah, I, I, and I, I don't know. So yeah, it's, I, yeah it's I, I hear my head. I hear my head <laughs> wanting to divide it up, and I'm going to go. Okay, I'm going to say fuck now. The truth of the matter is, it's all the same, regardless of the degree. Yeah. Um, I understand education does help, and yes. the degrees help with certain things, but the truth of the matter is, um, you're still working with the heart and the soul, you know, and the mind, regardless of what practice you bring in. Yeah. So, um, and I know when, when you told me you were going to get your yoga certification, I was pretty, I was pretty excited for you because, you know, of having a practice like that in your life, because it does focus, yes. um, you know, uh, a yoga practice, which is, you know, really about, you know, yoga is about self-care. I think it's one of the core components of self-care for a lot of people. And, um, even though I hear a lot of jokes about, you know, there's, there's a yoga center for every Starbucks, you know. <laughs> yes, yep. <laughs> competing, know. Yoga, competing yoga centers on different sides of the street, you know. Yep. Um, but that's that 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 they can exist. That so many um, different yoga studios can exist <laughs> is really remarkable. Yeah. Um, considering it's only been I don't know how long, but seventy years or something, or maybe sixty years. It's when I was a kid that Yogananda first came to the yes. United States and brought transcendental meditation and, right. and yoga here. I mean I mean it's been here before that, but it became something that people began to embrace on as right. part of the, the our, our culture as well. Now it's just it's talk about become something becoming normalized, right? Yes. So And you have to find, you know, what works for you. You have to find the studio, you have to find the teachers mm-hmm. that you like and that can make or break if you want to do yoga again. So that is so true. <laughs> you got to find the right one. Don't give up. <laughs> Probably like and like finding a good counselor, therapist, the same yes. kind of thing, yes. or a good doctor, even. Right. Um, and and I've, I've been more discerning about that over this year in my own personal life. So yeah, with some of my cha- my, my my challenges. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, so not sure. Direction-wise, where you're going? Not sure. Just kind of... Is that okay, though, is where I guess where I was going to go with that? Is it it okay not to to have a plan right now? A complete plan? It is. Okay. Glad to hear. (laughs) All right. Um, You've already maybe mentioned this, but I want to ask you, and if there's, um, you know, there's usually sometime moments in our life and that, uh, or, or that we've had that the catharsis in such a way or a person or a mentor that really has has helped us through 
um, and and in that, and you've mentioned a few of them along the way. I mean, obviously, I understand your grandparents and and your drill teacher in uh, at Juan Diego. You know, you, you mentioned how what a, a big influence was that. Is there anything that kind of stands out to you through this process that someone or or an event or a there's just always seems to be who I need at the moment at the right time, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> always. So yes. there's been so many times in my life when someone comes into it, whether mm-hmm. they stay or they don't, but mm-hmm. that I just need at that moment in time. So for sure, a few years ago, it was you and Lindsay. Mm-hmm. So Paul and Lindsay. Um they helped me get through a lot of things, and I would definitely say for sure Cheryl, who also has worked at Wasatch Recovery, she helped me get through a tough time um, last year, to be exact. Um, and there's definitely been so many others as well. It's just the timing of, gotcha. of when they come in. Gotcha. I like the way you put that. It, it reminds me of that saying, you know, and I apply this to myself, you know, when the student's ready, the, the teacher shows up. Always. Always. That's what I heard you say. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's it's beautiful. I, I agree. And I still have those people showing up in my life. Right. Which has always been fascinating. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> I know. Same with my, my yoga certification. It just, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. And then somehow I just decided and I made it happen Mm -hmm. and it was the best decision I could have made at this time because I learned so many things and I think if I would have done it any sooner or even any later I wouldn't have got as much as I did out of it because you're only going to learn and absorb as much as you can either that you've already experienced or that you are able to at the time Hmm. perfect perfect okay um all right, so uh, what brings you joy? What, 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 what brings you joy and contentment in life? People. I love communication. I love good talks with people. I love being able to get down to the nitty-gritty with people, not just the surfacey type of conversations. I love yoga. I uh. love just... Like, the self-care pieces are huge for me because I have always been in the search for that, for that calmness, Mm -hmm. for the groundedness. So, um, things like that. Nature definitely brings me joy. And just time spent with loved ones. A good book. Good music. um, There's a number of things good that food. bring me I don't joy. Know how good food, for sure. For sure. Um, I like to have a goal uh, that I'm, you know, maybe going towards. Mm-hmm. That brings me joy. Um, and you've got a lot of joy in your life. I do. you got to make it yourself. you got to yeah. You're making it sick. You're yes. creating a lot of joy in your yes. life. Yes. Which, which sounds like contentment. Yes. Um. And I, I can hear that, and I hear that even when, you, as you talk about your family now, that you've you found you found some peace. Yes. And this is really why I've, I've wanted you to come on and, and share your story because there's so many people that that haven't figured out how to transition out of a, a, a really difficult family dynamic into into one where they they experience contentment in their life. Right. 
And I, I was just thinking about it when you talked about your yoga training, because I talked. I first asked you right at the beginning of that, and you go, "I'm just starting this training," and <laughs> and we're like going, "So when are we going to fit this in?" And then it's like looking at it, and I just went, away. and then a part in the back of my mind, in the back of my mind, I said, "It's going to happen after." Yeah. It's going to happen. After. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know everything always happens, and it happens just when I need it. Yeah. All right. So I use the term Zen Zone. Um, I said, how do you how do you connect to your Zen spot? And I think you got you sort of were talking about that when you were talking about joy too. But when I think of of that Zen place within in in me, it's that authentic part of me. It's 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 the part that can't ever be depleted in any way. It's 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 my true you know artistic self, so to right. speak. How, how do you how do you find that? I don't know so much that I find it, so much that I just try to be it every day. I like to tell people like it is, which may be to a fault. I don't, you know, I'm kind of like, this is me. And it's, if you... it's not to a fault. <laughs> I'm mean, just going just to state that. Yeah. I just want to get that out of the way before I forget <laughs> it if we're talking about something else. And yeah, I just, I like to be 100% me and I strive for that every day because I think I hid it for so long and it's still a work in progress for sure but my motto is you know some people will some people won't and so what because uh, as long as I'm okay with me that's all that matters <laughs> perfect yeah that's 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 one of the best answers I've ever heard <laughs> I'm thanks, serious. Thanks, Grandma, for that one. <laughs> thanks, Grandma. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. A few, a few more, and then and then we'll finish up. Is that okay? Right. Okay. okay. Um, so one of one of the things that uh, I'm always I'm always curious about, and and you and I probably haven't really talked about this, but I, I'm, uh, which is funny because we've probably talked about so many different things, but. Uh, I, what are your thoughts about you know life, the universe, God, faith, belief? Um, you you didn't grow up particularly you know in, an, in any type of environment outside of you know just being in Utah. Um, I mean, but you so didn't have a theological basis, really. I don't I don't believe or kind of yes and no. So I grew up you know typical LDS is everywhere in Utah. So. Um, I was baptized LDS. I didn't really go to church unless it was maybe once in a while with my grandparents Mm -hmm. and or with like neighbor friends because I remember a lot of my neighbors wouldn't let their kids hang out with me because I didn't go to church. And so it was more almost like a guilt thing. Not that I realized it then, but because I wanted to fit in. It never really stood out to me. I never really understood it. Um, And I grew up kind of I guess, maybe going in and out with friends over the years. But when I went to Juan Diego, I realized, because you have to go to mass, you do theology classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always just been way more of a spiritual person anyways. But the Catholic religion really stood out to me and I really resonated with me. Really cool. So um, again, my boyfriend at the time, his family was Catholic and his sister is actually my godmother now. So I went through the conversion classes. It was like, I don't even know, two or three months of twice a week for a few hours at night to you know, learn the different things. And then I was baptized Catholic. Um, Easter my junior year and so 
not that I've been to church since I graduated <laughs> high school, which has been a few years, but um, I do still kind of resonate with that. But after going through my yoga training as well, and like I said, I've always been a bit more spiritual, I know that there is something higher than me, whether mm. that be God or nature or the universe or whatever it is. So I just kind of tune into that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. I didn't know that story. Yeah. Wow, that's let's learn something new every day. <laughs> I did not know you were baptized. Yeah, Catholic. Um, and I think that um, Catholicism and there can be a, a pretty seamless marriage, even though I'm sure there's some that will disagree with me between Catholicism and and uh, yoga philosophy and mm-hmm. yoga spirituality. For sure, I honestly I think that all religions are combined. <laughs> As like one, I I took a sacred tradition and religion class at Slick a few years ago, and I absolutely loved it. I would love to take it again because I know I'd get way more out of it even now. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that there's one better than the other. I don't think one is more right than the other. I think they're all right, and there's bits and pieces of each that you just have to find what works for you. More eclectic approach is what I hear you say. Yes, yes. take that more eclectic approach. Okay. Um, all right, and I, I, I did mention, uh, we did talk about this before, uh, about uh, music. Right. And um, I, I do know that music is a big part of your, of your life. And um, when, when, I, when this question I, I ask people, they, they get kind of confused, and I'm not referring this to you, but the idea that because music can re- represent so many different aspects right. to our experience of, of who we are and being human and... You know, and there's relational, you know, songs and things like that. But if, if there was a song or two in any way that represented, you know, you or had, you know, some kind of pro- profound, you know, meaning for you, and, and profound's maybe overstated, but that has, a, that has a deep meaning or that would would represent you in your life or your journey. Do you have anything like that? that- for sure. So music has definitely got me through the darkest of times and the happiest of times music is everything to me um but the first song that popped into my head was unsteady by the ex-ambassadors um just because it talks about you know a mother and a father and the struggles that they go through and how the person on the other end is sort of feeling towards that Um, and, and when then, you say the person on the other end, what do you what, what do you refer? So to? I guess just the one looking at the situation okay. from afar, not okay. being in the situation, because I always think to oh the witness, the witness, okay. yes. Okay. Okay. So I always think, you know, it's been super hard for me, for my family, yes, but if it's been that hard for us, I can only imagine how hard it is for my mom and dad, for example, like to feel the things that they've done, to see the things that they've done, etc. So I always try to come with the compassion part on that end as well. Not meaning that it makes it okay what they've done, but just maybe I have to do that for my own self to be able to forgive them and, you know, but I always, that's always on the back of my mind. And then also, probably fix you by Coldplay. Fix you by Coldplay? Yeah. And what why what fix you? Just because the lyrics are so perfect, they're so spot on. I like to fix people. I tried to fix my parents for so long, uh-huh. not like thinking that it was maybe what I was doing was wrong, where as 
no yeah, why, why, why isn't my love and care and enough. concern enough for them, yes. right? Why, why, why can't they just be different and, and just understand that just loving each other is enough? Yes. So that one for sure. Those yeah. are the two that stick out. That, those are beautiful. Yeah. I, by the way, I've never thought of that, that Coldplay song in the, that context because I don't think I've ever really listened to the words. <laughs> So, as it's playing underneath us, I'm going to definitely give a good listen. Yeah, to, yeah <laughs> it's good. good. It's it. so good. Yeah. All right. Was this okay? Yeah, yeah. it was good. <laughs> I was really nervous, but I think, you know. You did great. You did great. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. And because I, I know the, the importance of you, um, you know, part of your story is, you know, wanting to, you know, assist and support other people when you can. You know, hopefully this was an opportunity to do that too. Right. So to to let people know that things, everything will be okay. Everything will be okay, but it will ultimately come down to me being responsible for myself to make that happen. Yes, one hundred percent. And not not try to fix other people. So. Yes. All right, Mick. Thank you. I appreciate you coming out and spending Saturday afternoon for a few hours with us. We will end here and go out as we usually do with a little Joan Osborne. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good week. Bye-bye.